2: Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
3: He is the voice of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. You can
4: doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have
3: to deal with the Chiefs. With an iconic touchdown call that echoes throughout the kingdom.
5: He will walk into the end zone. Touchdown! Kansas
3: City. It's four o'clock on Monday, which means one thing: Mitch Holtus joins C on the drive. Hey, how about those?
1: We are very happy right now to be joined by Mitch Holtus. His appearance is brought to you by Silverstein Eye Center. Achieve your best vision and experience outstanding patient care at Silverstein Eye Center. And by Gates Barbecue. By Gates, it is a Kansas City tradition. Mitch Holtz is joins us on the show today. Mitch, I just saw you on NFL Network. How are you doing?
4: Good. Uh, actually, we're Matt McMullen, senior team reporter, and myself are uh, leaving Mandalay Bay, which is the home of the Media Row, where I did set interview, and now we're walking to Allegiant Stadium, which is a bit of a jaunt in the rain here, cold rain, uh, to get ready for tonight's opening, opening night. So it's, uh, it's crazy, man. We're here, and we're cooking.
1: Right now, we're joined by Mitch Holstis live in Las Vegas ahead of Super Bowl Media Day. Mitch, I've actually haven't been to Super Bowl Media Day since they have done it this way. I was still doing it when it was kind of the old traditional way of doing it, but now they've moved it to primetime. What is it like?
4: Uh, A three-ring circus that has five rings. It's really crazy. Uh, It's really not a media – well, I guess there's media availability, but it's like – who can dress as crazy and be as crazy as possible? That's kind of what it feels like. Uh, it's more of a, well, it'll fit Vegas perfect, because the times we've done it in the past, it feels like we're in Vegas. So uh, it's just kind of nuts. Who dresses right. crazy? You'll see fans from teams from all over. Uh, who can ask the most ridiculous questions? Uh there's knucklehead questions. There's smart A questions, but there's not very many. Oh, that's a really good question that pertains to the game. That doesn't seem to be on the uh, doesn't seem to be on the agenda for this tonight. It's just kind of crazy and fun. Mitch,
1: very rarely have you seen there be a bigger media conti- a contingent around a player than there is around Patrick Mahomes. But I'm guessing that today there's going to be far more questions for Travis Kelsey than there are for the quarterback of the team.
4: Well. I guess, uh, and because of his social life, probably, I I don't know how many football questions he's going to get, but it has certainly been, and you can hear this traffic trying to run me over. I hope I get to the game. Uh, the, uh, but no, there, there will be, and there already has been, and it's just a phenomenon. It's just crazy of what, uh, that whole scenario has been on top of everything else.
1: Right now, we're talking to Mitch Holtz, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. His appearance is brought to you by Silverstein Eye Center. Achieve your best vision and experience outstanding patient care at Silverstein Eye Center. And by Gates Barbecue, by Gates, it is a Kansas City tradition. Mitch, as we are starting Super Bowl week, what is your favorite storyline heading into this game? Because mine is the defense that you and I both know that history only remembers the team that wins the Super Bowl. I actually think in 2020 that that was the best Chiefs team that we've seen, but they ended up losing the Super Bowl to Tampa Bay and history kind of forgets that 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 if this defense plays really well they're going to be talked about like one of the great defenses that we've seen in recent memory they're going to be talked about like they're the Broncos from from 2015 when they won the Super Bowl that's my favorite storyline heading into this game what's yours
4: well I would agree with that uh a close tie might be that this is the youngest defense in the NFL to do that I think that's overlooked this is the youngest defense in the NFL The second would be, my favorite storyline would be the path here. If they complete this and get this done, it'll be historic, obviously, back-to-back and three Super Bowl championships in a five-year span. But the path to get here, to be a three-seat, to play in minus 28-degree weather, to play in Buffalo, in Baltimore, and to complete the task will set this team apart from any other in Chiefs history and we'll put it in a rarity with NFL history.
1: Mitch, as you're watching San Francisco, how would you rank what you need to stop with them? Because I think it's Christian McCaffrey, and Rob says that he thinks it's Debo Samuel because of his versatility to basically beat you as a wide receiver and also as a running back and catch passes out of the backfield or get carries. Who do you see is most important to stop on San Francisco's offense?
4: Truthfully, I would it's both of them because Samuel – is a guy who is a pass catcher but is a runner. I mean, Rob's right, but you're right, because McCaffrey's a runner that catches passes like a receiver. And that is a, that's a real problem in defending him. Uh, but to say those two guys, like to leave George, George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk out, would also be omission, because those are the only only first time in NFL history you have four guys like that in NFL history that have 1,000-plus scrimmage yards and four different dudes. Now, we know McCaffrey's got over 2,000, but these other guys, Ayuk's uh, had a big year. So <laughs> I'd say all four of them, you've got to be on your game if you're spags in this defense to handle all four of those guys, but you've got a runner that can catch it and a guy that catches it that can run it. And that's, that's an issue, and that's why San Francisco's in this game.
1: Mitch, keeping it with the defense, I, I I feel like you can move the ball against San Francisco. Like they have a lot of names, and I understand what the what the paper says about them. But we saw this Lions team score 31 points against them. We saw Jordan Love had a have a lot of success a couple of weeks ago in the second round of the postseason. I know what it says on paper, but I think Kansas City's offense can have a good day against San Francisco's defense.
4: You know, off air, I almost wish sometimes you could hear what Brian Baldinger and I were talking about in the 15 minutes in the green room before we went on NFL Network. And a big part of the discussion was San Francisco's run defense. Look at the yardage total given up to Green Bay and then given up to Detroit on the ground. San Francisco, with all the firepower that I just gave to you, is fortunate to be here. Uh, You don't usually give up that many yards in two games in the playoffs on the ground. In fact... It is the biggest divergence in NFL history of what a rushing defense was in the regular season and in the postseason. And that wide variance between what uh, the Niners were in the regular season and in those two playoff games is the widest divergence in rushing defense regular season to postseason in NFL history. So I think you can attack this team. They've tried to, you know, losing losing polymology Cousin, at safety hurts him, losing Hufanga. fungi. But they've also tried to spackle this defense together. It's like they went to city market and tried to buy some defensive guys at the market. Meaning you pick up Javon Hargrave, Logan Ryan, Tashan Gibson. These are all guys that were not brought up in the San Francisco system. These are all guys brought in somewhat late in the season to spackle together this defense. So I'm hopeful the Chiefs can move the ball and especially on the ground. And that is our guy, Mitch Holstis, joining us
1: on the show today. His appearance is brought to you by Silverstein Eye Center. Achieve your best vision and experience. Outstanding patient care at Silverstein Eye Center and also Gates Barbecue by Gates. It is a Kansas City tradition. Mitch, enjoy Super Bowl week. We'll catch you at the parade.
4: Thank you, brother. Well, let's hope we got one. Absolutely. But, uh, we're trying to get to that end, man. Thanks, man. Absolutely. That
1: is Mitch Holtz is joining us on the show today as he is getting ready for Super Bowl media day, which is going to be later today. I imagine that Travis Kelsey is going to be very, very busy here coming up in a couple of hours. Like I can imagine there only being two players that could ask questions on the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they got a lot of players I'd want to ask a question to. A lot of the attention is going to be on Travis Kelsey. A lot of the attention is going to be on Patrick Mahomes. You know, this might be a great time to just sit down and get you 20 really good minutes of Isaiah Pacheco, because I don't think anybody is going to be over there talking Isaiah Pacheco. Not today, eventually, but today, no, today is going to be about Travis Kelsey, Uh, his girlfriend who announced a new album. She won album of the year for the fourth time more than any recording artist in history. And the season that he has had, his brother, there's a lot of things to talk to Travis Kelsey about. And I imagine he is going to be asked all those questions later today. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Ryan Lefebvre is going to join us on the show to talk about Bobby Witt Jr. and his new contract. We'll keep talking Super Bowl 58. And we'll talk about what Mitch had to say and all of the weapons that San Francisco has on offense and what Kansas City needs to do to slow them down. Keep it right here. So Drive.
3: You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports.
1: That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet! Music. You set
3: my world on fire. Yes,
2: And even even podcasts. Whatever you love... Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
1: Kansas City, it's Willie Gay Jr. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Ryan LaFever of... The Royals Radio Network. And we'll talk to him about Bobby Wood Jr., who Bobby Wood Jr. just got paid the bag by the Kansas City Royals. 11 years, $288 million to Bobby Wood Jr. This season has had a lot of very interesting checkpoints, I would say, for Kansas City. And the playoffs, I think, have really highlighted that. You had the return of Tyree Kill in the first game of the postseason, one of the most dynamic players in the league, and the Chiefs did a really good job against an offense that rated really high this year. It also posed a couple of different challenges that you've had versus different runs that they've had. You had to go on the road for the first time in the postseason. You had to go to Buffalo, a team that has played Kansas City very toughly and matched up very well against Kansas City. They passed that test. They had to go on the road. Remember, we heard a lot about DVOA and how good this Baltimore Ravens team, how they were one of the best regular season teams that we had ever seen. That was their first time hosting the AFC championship game since 1971. The Chiefs went on the road, and they passed that test. There is one final test. This is the most diverse offense that they have gone up against. I think this is the most complete offense that they have gone up against so far this season. I think Brock Purdy is undervalued based on the numbers and what he's been able to accomplish so far. I believe that Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the National Football League and this season was the best skill position player in the National Football League. I look at Brandon Ayuka Debo Samuel is one of the best wide receiver one two punches in the league. I believe that George Kittle is going to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer and is the second best tight end of his generation behind Travis Kelsey, who might be the greatest tight end that we have possibly ever seen. I also think that they have a very, very good offensive line. I think this Chiefs defense has earned this test and should be very prepared for this test. Every offense that we have seen them go up against so far this season, I would say that the Chiefs defense has passed it. Whether it was Miami, whether it was Philadelphia, whether it was Baltimore, Buffalo, any team that you want to throw out that you think can score, their defense has matched up really, really well against. Well, there is sort of a final boss in all of this. And I think that boss is San Francisco. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the better young offensive minds that we've seen. I mean, Matt Ryan won an MVP. Brock Purdy was really one bad start away from winning MVP the offense that they have built. This is a really, really strong test for the defense. I actually think that this Super Bowl, and I understand that Mahomes is going to get a lot of the talking points, and he should, and if they win, and this is his third Super Bowl win in four appearances, the conversations of greatest of all time are certainly going to heat up. I think this Super Bowl is about the defense. Like They are the most interesting storyline to me. So far, they have been the 2015 Broncos. And I don't think that a lot of football fans talk about them in that fashion. And I get it. The offense has the two biggest stars in the league right now, in the quarterback and the tight end. I understand how their defense hasn't gotten the national credit and respect that they deserve. Sunday's game is going to be the most watched football game ever. Of every football game that we have ever seen, More people are going to watch on Sunday than have ever watched a football game. The defense has a chance to be the story going up against that offense and all the weapons that they have. There have not been many teams this season that have shown the ability to stop Christian McCaffrey. I was going back through the text line and someone made the point about, hey, if we can hold Christian McCaffrey under 125 yards and a touchdown, then I'd feel good about it. That only happened five times this season. Like, he is going to have a decent day. And we'll see if this defense can stop him from having a great day. They also have a couple other options that if you take Christian McCaffrey out of the game, they can then get Debo Samuel going in the run game. You got Brandon IU cause a major downfield threat. You got George Kittle, who is a first team All Pro this year. You guys are obviously well aware of him because we've been debating who's the best tight end between him and Travis Kelsey. It feels like for the last six years, even though it seems like Travis Kelsey has really, really run away with that conversation. This is a really, really capable offense. What we all want in the Super Bowl is to see best v. best. You want to see the best offense go up against the best defense and feel like you are watching the two best teams in the league. That's what I think we have. We have the reigning champ in the AFC, and we have the strongest contender that we have possibly seen in the NFC, during this entire run. I think the San Francisco team is better than that Tampa Bay team a couple of years ago. I think the San Francisco team is better than the first San Francisco team that they played in the Super Bowl. I think this uh, this team is really comparable with last year's Eagles team. I think this is a really, really dynamic and even matchup on both sides. Mitch Holtis has pointed out, and he said earlier in
6: the show, this Chiefs run. If they finish the job it is historic, not just for the reasons he said, which are true. I mean, they played in all time frigid coles against the Dolphins. They played on the road twice, all those things. What they are going to do is going to make the most difficult path anyone has seen in a playoff run period. I saw Nick Wright tweet this out. Friend of the show, Nick Wright. Friend of your actual friend of yours, yep. Nick Wright. He had this some advanced a- analytics that showed that the chiefs complete this journey. It'll be the most Difficult run in and to a Super Bowl and then win it in the history of the NFL by the advanced analytics because they had to go on the road and face a two seed. They had to go on the road and face a one seed. Those two teams, based on all sorts of metrics and graphs I don't understand, are two of the best teams they would have had to face. They faced the number one offense in the NFL in the first round and they went through all of them before getting to the team you just talked about, the most complete team in the National Football League. I think, and maybe it's just. I'm in my Chiefs sphere, and I'm insulated in Kansas City. But I think if they complete this journey, and those advanced analytics are correct, we're going to talk about this Chiefs run as one of the all-time playoff runs. The same way people always look back at, hey, remember that one time that Aaron Rodgers went and made his run, or say that great game in the Super Bowl, or hey, remember when Tom Brady had to win three road games in Tampa Bay to get his final Super Bowl? I think we are going to talk about this Chiefs' run in that category, and it is going to absolutely tower over runs like that because of the difficulty they have had to endure on this
1: journey. I don't know, though, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't know if maybe the rest of the country is going to feel that way about this run just because this will be their third time winning it. I'm just not sure. It's kind of hard to answer in the immediacy and we'll have to kind of see. I will say, though, I think that if we are ranking sort of how I think the conversation is going to go after this is over, and a lot of it really depends on how good the defense plays. Like, let's see their defense hold San Francisco to 13 points. And San Francisco has the worst offensive day that we have seen. I think their defense on Monday is going to be the story. And people are going to ask the question, is Kansas City's defense all time? I don't know if, let's say the game script is very similar to what happened in the AFC championship game, where Kansas City's offense stalls and their defense continues to answer the bell and sort of bails them out of it. I think the talking point then is about the defense and their defense has the opportunity to walk into the room with some of the great defenses that we've seen over the last 20 years. Or, depending on how this game could potentially play out, and if San Francisco scores and this defense gives up 24, 27 points and Patrick Mahomes has to win a shootout, I think the conversation is going to be that Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl with this team. The same way that last year we really point to Hold on, wait. You're telling me they didn't have Tyree Kill, and he won a championship with Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey, and a bunch of other guys. I think it will be that conversation tenfold, and that's where I think the offense and Mahomes gets a lot of credit for winning a championship with this team, because this defense. Let's say that San Francisco scores. It is the National Football League, right? let's say that San Francisco scores 27 points. Like, I don't think that is a unrealistic thing. That basically means that you think the over hits in this game that San Francisco scores and Kansas city shows you that they got to score 30 in this game. I think that you can score on this defense. I don't know what's happened with this team, but I think the offense has played pretty consistent. The offense, meaning San Francisco's offense. I don't think that their defense has, I think their defense has regressed in a lot of ways. I saw Jordan Love play really well against this team. I also saw the Lions play really well for about 47 minutes. I think the difference in this game is I think Kansas City takes the points. I think that Andy Reid kicks a field goal in those two scenarios and continues to put the pressure on Brock Purdy, continues to put the pressure on San Francisco where they got to answer with their own scores and they got to go down the field. I don't think this game is going to turn into a shootout. But if it does, the storyline on Monday is going to be wow, Mahomes did it again. Mahomes got 75 yards receiving from MVS. You got a big play from Jerick McKinnon who came back from injury who played on this team. I think it really depends on the game flow and how it plays out who gets the quote credit for this win. I think you're
6: right about Monday. Like a week from today if it's a shootout, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I don't believe you think that, but let's just let's just deal in the hypothetical. If it is in fact a shootout, I think Monday on first take, Monday on undisputed, that's the conversation. Mahomes did it again. But I think we get further from the end of the season and we begin to look back at it more than just the individual Super Bowl and we look at it under the wider scope. The story is going to be the difficulty, the defense, and yeah, Mahomes had that one moment, that one game in this hypothetical. I think you're right. That's the conversation Monday. Mahomes did it again. But I think on Thursday after the parade and the ensuing week after President's Day and as we gear up for free agency in March and when people are up in Indianapolis for the combine, the conversation is going to be the journey they had is all-time great. One of the, if not the best journeys ever and it was on the backs of their defense, and they did something historically unprecedented. I think the Monday is what you're talking about, but as you get further from it and we have the wider scope, it becomes the history of it.
1: Yeah, and I guess maybe you and I just look at this a little bit differently because I don't really know if we as, like, football fans really care about that part of it. Like the the Giants in 2007. Can you name any other team they beat in the postseason? No, they beat the Patriots at the end. Like, I— I think history sort of loses the context. Like, history will not remember Patrick Mahomes going on the road and beating the Buffalo Bills. I just don't think that's how we retell the story of these kind of things. I think in this individual game, you have a potentially historic defense up against the best offense in the National Football League. And you also have... Maybe the greatest quarterback of all time against a defense that has a lot of names. Like, we could be talking about a San Francisco defense in 10, 12 years from now. They could have, what, three Hall of Famers on that defense? Like, Fred Warner could be in the Hall of Fame. Nick Bosa could be in the Hall of Fame. Dre Greenlaw. Like, they they got guys that you think could potentially go to the Hall of Fame. So I just think depending on how this game plays, maybe this game turns out to be a high scoring affair and the over hits and Kansas City has to win this game 30 to 24 or this game ends up playing a little bit more low scoring in this game and it needs to be a situation where Kansas City's defense kind of has to grind out another one. Hey, this offense stalls in the red zone a couple of times. Maybe Harrison Bucker misses the field goal and this defense needs to pull them out of the fire. I just got to see how the kind of game flow plays to kind of determine how history is going to tell the story for Kansas city. I think for San Francisco, I think Brock Purdy is going to get a lot of credit if they win this game, that a lot of the conversation around San Francisco is you can't win a championship with that guy as your quarterback. I think their storylines are way more straightforward than I think Kansas cities are we'll get back to the Super Bowl coming up in a little bit on the other side we'll be joined by Ryan LaFever of the of Royals radio network they signed Bobby Witt Jr. today to an 11-year 288 million dollar contract we'll get Ryan LaFever's thoughts on it next keep it right here it's The Drive
3: The Drive with Carrington Harrison brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore Car Wreck get the money you deserve Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app
4: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly.
5: Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
3: Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are.
1: Welcome back into the show. Big game coverage is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. Community America Credit Union is proud to be the exclusive banking partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Get your Chiefs checking account, including the exclusive Chiefs debit card at ChiefsChecking.com. We'll get back to the Super Bowl coming up in a bit, but let's head to the phone lines right now. You know it's something big if we got Ryan LeFever joining us on a Monday of Super Bowl week. But the Kansas City Royals have one of the greatest days of their organization's history. Bobby Wood Jr., 11 years, $288 million. There's only one person to talk to it about. Ryan LeFever, how are you doing today?
5: Good, Carrington. Good
1: to hear your voice. Absolutely. It's great to have you on the show today. What was your reaction when this came across your phone or you got texted this information that the Royals signed Bobby Wood Jr. to this long-term deal?
5: Well, it came across my phone. I wasn't uh, privy to any uh, inside conversations in fact we just had royals rally over the weekend and uh, in a couple of different round tables for the fans i asked bobby wood jr and i asked jj piccolo not knowing that they were close and sometimes these things can come together very quickly at the end but i asked them both uh, without trying to put them on the spot uh, is there is there a willingness on both sides to come up with a long-term contract And they both were very politically correct with their answers, but I mean that was just a couple of days ago, and and uh, here we are. It's very exciting, and um, you know I haven't I've only been here for 25 years, so I don't have a you know 55 year perspective like Denny would or something like this, but uh, clearly this is of huge significance in franchise history. Right
1: now, we're talking to Ryan Lafever of the Royals Radio Network. Ryan, I've always asked this question about Patrick Mahomes. I've never got the chance to ask you this about Bobby Witt Jr. When did you realize that Bobby had a chance of being a star? Because the season that he just put together at his age is incredibly difficult to do, at really at any age, but more specifically at the age of 22. Did you have that game, that moment? Was Was it in spring training? When did you realize that Bobby Witt Jr. had a chance to be a future MVP potentially?
5: yeah I have an interesting perspective on that, and I even asked him about it at a Royals Rally. I think the moment that we all point to is the walk off Grand Slam against minnesota and uh but i I started to see things before that, and um from a from a personality standpoint, he really seemed to have the ability like very few young players do of putting last night behind them. And showing up on any given day with with a brand new attitude. I mean, I remember seeing that from Eric Hosmer very early in his career that he could go 0 for 4 or 4 for 4 the night before, and the next day his demeanor was exactly the same as it was for batting practice the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that. So I, I recognize that about about Bobby right away. I mean, that's kind of the off the field, um, behind the scenes things that you look for because, you know, when the bright lights come on or the red lights come on with the camera, I mean, they all have a way of, of going into, um, you know, professional athlete mode, but you know, what do they like when the lights aren't aren't on? So he seemed to have that. But for me, I don't remember the game exactly Carrington. I think we were at Minnesota and he was, he was in a stretch early this year, like he was the first year where he was just swinging at a lot of pitches out of the strike zone, especially up and out of the strike zone and um and for most of his of his rookie year he would in, in just about every at bat he would swing at at least one pitch that he shouldn't have, which you know swings the count and I remember we were in Minnesota and he had an at bat with runners in scoring position, and um, he laid off a couple of high pitches and then he hit a soft line drive into right center field and drove in one or two runs. I don't remember. But the significance of it is this. I mean, what, I, what I've what i noticed sometimes is that a, a superstar not only is able to deliver the big play, but they know when to do less. That sometimes the big play isn't doing something huge, but just doing something little. You know, like Patrick Mahomes can have those crazy scrambles and throw it way down the field, but how about when he throws the little sidearm thing, you know, around the linebacker and somehow – you know, gets a gain of five yards or something just by doing something little and being creative. In, in my career, sometimes superstardom isn't always attached to walk-off grand slams. Sometimes it's widening the horizons of their game and realizing that there are many different ways that they can beat the opponent. Ryan,
1: sometimes I'm not sure if maybe people have like a real framer reference for how good Bobby Wood has been at this age of his career. So earlier today, I went and I looked up Ronald Acuna, who might be the best player in baseball this side of Shohei Otani. Through the first two years, Bobby Witt Jr. has been better than he has. Like, he is a baseball prodigy. To be as good as he is at his age and to have so much more room for growth, we're talking about one of the best young players in the sport.
5: That's the important part right there, which you just said, Carrington. And he still has lots of areas of growth. I mean, there's still some things that he could refine defensively, um, some things that he can refine at the plate. I mean, there is a lot more area of growth. And, yeah, all of a sudden, not just better than Ronald Acuna Jr., but all of a sudden you start combining some of the numbers that he's had when it comes to home runs and stolen bases, and he's already doing things that nobody has ever done in the history of the game. And um, – and yet, he's still so young. Um, you know, I just mentioned the, you know, laying off pitches up in the strike zone that he had trouble with for about a season and two months. Um, most of his rookie season, you might remember making these great diving plays on ground balls. And then instead of just, you know, realizing, okay, I fielded the ground ball in shallow left field, but there's no chance for an out, he'd get up and throw and, and it'd end up in four rows in the stands. And now the runners are moving up. So, um just just being able to harness he has a better feel for you know what he should be doing what he shouldn't be doing I think he figured out last year that he doesn't have to dive for every ball which is good because you're always risking an injury when you do that so he has all the physical talents but now now we're starting to see the 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 mental awareness of when to go into that extra gear when not to go in the extra gear when to one to wind up and put one in the seats if he gets the right pitch and one to take one to right field. I mean, that's, that's where the areas of improvement are still coming
1: right now. We're talking to Ryan LaFever of the Royals radio network, the Royals signed Bobby Witt junior to a long-term extension, 11 years, almost worth $300 million. Ryan, whenever you see Bobby Witt, is there a player historically that you see? Is there someone that he reminds you of?
5: Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I didn't get to see a lot of him early in his career but I know there've been some some comparisons to like Troy Tulowitzki um, and uh Tulowitzki wasn't as fast as Bobby Wood Jr is so when when you combine everything I would say no um but the 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 overall skills the the intensity the desire to win remember hearing a story about Troy Tulowitzki in his rookie year. They were in the playoffs, and they were down in a series, or I don't know, maybe it was the end of the season or something like that, and he just kind of like called out his whole team. You know, I didn't come here to lose, and we're going to win, and it might have been the year that they went to the World Series and lost to Boston. I don't know if Bobby's there yet, but I think um, he has the ability to lead if he wants to, not just with his legs and his arm, but with his mouth if he wants to. Um, but having grown up in the major leagues and understanding the clubhouse decorum, maybe that's not something – he feels comfortable with, but with at least 11 years now with the Royals, um, maybe that's the next thing on the horizon for him because he, he has the room. I don't think he talks a whole lot, but he has the room. Meaning if he does speak up um, he's got the street cred in that clubhouse where I think anyone from Salvi to someone who's going to be called up for the first time is going to listen to what he has to say.
1: Ryan, what do you think this says about the organization? Because a big point that I've made today is I think the fans wanted to see the organization sort of complete certain checklists. You know, this season didn't go the way that anyone had anticipated. They spent over $100 million in free agency, and they just signed an extension that no player in the organization has ever agreed to. Like, I I think John Sherman gets an A-plus for how they've handled it. Now, you got to go win over the course of the baseball season, but in terms of the offseason, I think the Royals have done almost everything that fans have asked them to do and now we wait for spring training and if this team can get off to a hot start what do you think that this contract extension says about John Sherman and his commitment to putting a quality product on the field
5: well they've put the cart before the horse in a good way um, most owners when they're pleading for a new stadium what's behind that plead is if we get the new stadium then we can fill in the blank sign our players be active in free agency um You know, more revenue means um, the ability to keep our players, et cetera. Um, So now we have a stadium vote coming up, but Mr. Sherman is spending the money before he has the guarantee of the stadium. So um, whether that plays in the minds of the Jackson County voters or not, um, I hope it does, because he's not waiting for a stadium to then fulfill his promise of putting a winner on the field. He's doing everything he can to bring in veterans and improve the team dramatically in one year and then doing something that no owner before him did and that's sign a uh, a young player who's played only 2 years to a contract of this length and this amount of money. I mean it's a huge commitment with the great unknown about the future of the of the stadium and the revenue streams coming in the future and the uncertainty of of um television right now and and you know where that revenue is is going to be in the next 2 or 3 years. So it's uh the very rare admirable um putting the cart before the horse.
1: Last question here Ryan and we appreciate your time in the off season. This team was very active in free agency. Is there a move that you really like? Was there a player acquisition that you look at as hey, this is going to be a really good signing for the team?
5: Well, I I'm more interested in how they feel with some of the signings that they've made. And they're all directed toward pitching. And it was one of the first things I learned as a very young broadcaster a long, long time ago when I tried to come up with creative ways to ask a manager, you know, what's the key to winning tonight? <laughs> and the answer that I almost always got was, you know, well, if our pitching's good, we'll have a chance. If it's not, we won't. And so... Um, there are a lot of numbers that suggest there are different ways to win games, and they're correct, but one thing that hasn't changed is that if you can pitch, you got a chance to win. If you can't pitch, you don't have a chance to win. And so what I, so it's not just the addition of the pitchers and specifically in the starting rotation, but what I think it does, Carrington, is that the veteran presence allows some of the younger guys to slot into a spot that matches their experience. And because of the situation the team has been in the last couple of years, you know, it's been, it's been fun, and I think it, for the most part, it's been fruitful for these young players to be thrust into a pressure situation. I, I do think that's going to benefit them in the long run. But now maybe some of them can relax because there's some veteran presence. I mean, the Royals went out, they addressed the outfield, they addressed the infield, uh, they went out and got a veteran catcher, Sandy Leon, They addressed the starting rotation and they addressed the bullpen and players that they think and I think still have something to offer at the major league level but more than anything else it'll allow the younger players to breathe and not feel like that they have to carry the team because that's really not a model for winning games it can be a model for success down the road it's not great for modeling a great model for winning games right now so that's the part I'm most excited about not just what the veterans are going to do but with some of the load lifted off the younger players um, what we're going to what results we're going to see from them
1: Ryan, there's never been a time where I could ask you this question and it'd be relevant, but now I can ask you this. How do you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh,
5: well, I've had a lot of experience lately watching the Super Bowl, which is uh, which is a lot of fun. I tell my kids all the time, you know, you better enjoy this because you're going to get older someday and you're going to say, man, we there were four Super Bowls in five years. Um, but um, you know what, this year, Carrington, since it's it's – it's close to my birthday, and it's also very close to um, when I'm leaving for surprise. And we have a lot of friends over to watch the Chiefs games, or, or you know, we go to some friend's house to watch a Chiefs game. So I think we're just going to be quiet this year. I think it's just going to be the six of us, uh, my mom and stepdad and my, my wife's father, and that's probably going to be it. It's going to be a quiet one.
1: That is Ryan LaFever joining us on the show today with the Royals Radio Network. Bobby Witt Jr. signs a 11-year, $288 million contract. Very happy to have Ryan LaFever join us on the show. Ryan, I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl and early
5: happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you.
1: Absolutely. That's Ryan LaFever joining us on the show today. One of my favorite people to talk to. We got Vern coming up in just a bit. I'd like to make one point before Vern joins the show. Maybe this is a very small minority of people on the text line, but I think people are way too caught up in the why potentially of why this happened. If you go back 12, 13 years from now, Rob, you remember this. David glass says what opened my eyes to spend money with the organization was seeing how committed fans were at the all-star game. He bought the team in the early 2000s, and it took him nine years to come to the conclusion of, hey, you know what, man? These people in Kansas City really love and care about baseball. Maybe if I invest more, and not three years after this decision, they won the World Series by Kansas City hosting the All-Star Game and them putting more resources investing more in the team. I understand why people would be skeptical about the Royals. And I don't disagree that I think a major reason of why this happened was they want to pass the stadium. So if you do this and you show a sign of good faith, some people's opinion today was swayed with the Royals and their decision on what they're going to do in a couple of months by what we saw today. I'm maybe not as caught up in the why. The Royals did ultimately what all of us want them to do. The Royals have invested in the offseason and spent money. The Royals have also locked themselves in to one of the best young talents in baseball. If you are a Royals fan, every player like Bobby Witt Jr. leaves. Every time Hosmer left. I mean, you knew whenever they called Hosmer up, it was like we automatically started the countdown to, well, you know, he's going to be a free agent. There's no way we're going to be able to keep him. You felt that same way about Mike Moustakis. You felt that way about Lorenzo Cain. For the most part, you know that if you get a player as good as Bobby Witt Jr., then they always have to leave because that's the economics of baseball. Today, I would say that the Royals reversed that trend They bought at least the first two years of free agency with Bobby Wood Jr. Now we'll see what happens. After the end of the seventh year, it then becomes a decision for Bobby Wood Jr. Hey, are the Royals good enough? Do you want to renegotiate your contract? But for them to lock in and get a player of his caliber to guarantee the next seven years of Kansas City and for the first four years of the deal, to create a contract that allows you to continue to build and put more talent around them. This is the best contract that the Royals have signed outside of Salvador Perez. And the Perez deal is just so unique international player. You got him on a seven year, $18 million deal. Like he was criminally underpaid for the first nine years of his career. Like it just now started to get to the point where, all right, you're paying him fair market value. It cannot be undersold what both sides signed up for today. The Royals agree to pay a player more money than they have ever agreed to pay a player. And Bobby Witt Jr. just signed a portion of his prime away to the Kansas City Royals organization. When every other player... Every player that you loved, every player that your kid went to the barbershop and wanted to get your hair cut just like him, they have all been at this same point and probably been offered a deal comparable to Bobby Witt Jr. and said no. For the first time, we have seen a player say yes to stay in Kansas City, and as somebody who grew up here, you never thought that. Grinky didn't do that. Johnny Damon didn't do that. Carlos Beltran didn't do that. Eric Hosmer didn't do that. They got a kid who was 22 years old who just hit 30 home runs who almost stole 50 bases this year. They got him to agree to stay in Kansas City when you could play baseball and get paid anywhere else for a kid who has never played a meaningful game with that organization. He just co-signed them today. It's a really, really big day. One of the biggest off-the-field days that they have had in their history, if not the biggest. I'm not putting it on the same level of winning the World Series. It's obviously not that. But since... The run ended since that final home game for Hosmer, Kane, all of them together. This is the biggest day that the Royals have had agreeing to this long-term extension with Bobby Witt Jr. We got Josh Verner coming up on the other side. Keep it right here. It's the drive.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.